0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Happy draft day to all of those who celebrate. Today on the show, prospects I like and don't like. It was still the right pick, and second round has been an adventure for the Falcons over the years. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts. Now! Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or every listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So when we... Look at the draft in the first round. Obviously, the Falcons are picking number eight, barring any kinds of trades, up, down, sideways, what have you like that. So when I look at the prospect pool at eight and and who makes sense and different things like that, you know, there are guys that I like. There are guys that I don't like. So let's start with the guys that, well, let's back, let's go back and forth by, by position more than anything, as far as edge player goes. So I'm okay if it's Nolan Smith, if it's Lucas Van Ness, if it's Tyree Wilson, if it's Miles Murphy, you know, those are the guys that probably make the most sense at edge player. So whether it's, you know, again, more of an outside undersized linebacker in a Nolan Smith, but I like his upside. I like his character and all that good stuff. So I wouldn't be, wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, Obviously, Miles Murphy was my pick in the mock draft. Lucas Van Ness may be more of a project, but still, I I don't mind the position because, again, you're going to line him up to go sack the quarterback, and that's what he did in college. That, Again, he was a rotational player who didn't start because his skill was go sack the quarterback. Tyree Wilson is obviously interesting because the upside and obviously dealing with the injury last year at Texas Tech probably cost him a really productive season, but still, I don't have a problem with any of those guys. Literally, when you talk about edge player, no matter what the name is on the back of the jersey or the logo on the side of the helmet, those are probably the four main guys that you're looking at as far as edge player. Now, look, I'm not counting Will Anderson because I don't think there's any chance that Will Anderson falls down to number eight, but obviously he would be the class of the edge player division. So again, barring any, miracle upon miracles that he would fall to eight. I don't I haven't seen him fall much past three or four. And obviously he's one of the premier players in the draft. Don't have a problem with that if they would pick him, but again, that's not gonna realistically happen. Interior defensive line. I mean the only guy that makes sense for the Falcons would be is if Jalen Carter fell to eight. Now there are a lot of reports in talking to different reporters from the Falcons that they would not draft Jalen Carter if he fell to eight. I think that's a big mistake. Yes, we can talk about character issues and love of football or any of those kinds of things. And we're going to talk here in a few minutes about another player who maybe sort of fit that mold. But if you have an immense talent like that, if you have a guy that is that talented, drop to you at eight. And, And look, if they didn't draft him at eight, then you can miss me with this whole best player available. Because if he's not the number one, number two, even number three prospect on everybody's board from a talent perspective, then I don't know who's going to be rated ahead of him. I mean, maybe the quarterbacks and things like that, but still, you're talking about a disruptive force in the world of college football. And when you put the tape on, all he did was perform, even coming back from his injuries and things like that. All he did was disrupt uh, on the defensive line. So I like. I like Jalen Carter a lot. One player that I'm not as excited about is Bijan Robinson, and not because of what his abilities are and what he could be, and he's the best running back and all this kind of stuff. But again, we were third in the NFL in rushing yards, okay? That means that there were only two teams that were better than us at running the football. There were only two teams that acquired more rushing yards than what we did. Do we really think that we can't run the football? Do we really think that if we even go back and run back our group of running backs, that we cannot be an effective run team? Well, but Bijan makes them a more elite team. Uh, Okay. How much more elite can you be? We were third in the NFL. When, when, when When you're last at something and you're third at something, which one of those things do you need to fix? If you're the third best at something in the NFL, or you're the worst in the NFL at something, which of those things do you have to be better at? It's very simple. So I like B. John Robinson, the player, love his ability and all that kind of stuff. But again, I, I would not be enamored if that's the pick at number eight. Sorry, I just, I I, I don't under, I wouldn't understand why they made that pick when they just found a guy in the fifth round of the draft last year that ran for a 1,000 yards in his rookie season and didn't even start. He started, what, six or seven games, didn't even start most of the season. So, again, I don't think that pick makes a lot of sense for the Falcons. I know it's splashy. I know it's, you know, it's best player available, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense for the Falcons. None of the wide receivers that are at the very top, I I don't necessarily have an an enamor I'm not enamored with the top two wide receivers, whether it's Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba. Again, not because they're not good players, not not because that they won't be dominant NFL players. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba has a chance to be an elite wide receiver. But again, this is fact. The last time a team drafted three pass catchers in the top 10 was the Detroit Lions, okay? There's been one team, Go back and look at the history. Go back and look at the NFL. Go to nfl.com, or sorry, go to a profootballreference.com. Go through the draft like I did and look for the last team that drafted pass catcher three years in a row. Where was that team three years later? They were 0-16. And that's not a direct correlation, but again, when you don't address and fix the things that ail you, and we're not going to be a huck it around team, you know pitts london jackson smith and jigbed eight okay are we going to throw it 600 times because that's that's what you get for matt ryan that's what you get for aaron Rodgers or matt stafford that's what you get when you have a quarterback that's going to put it in the air 600 times not when you're going to run basically a 50 50 split of run versus pass you don't need all those wide receivers and the nfl has shown you that you can grab high caliber talent in the middle rounds of the draft, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, guys like that. Those guys are all Cooper Cup. Those guys were found through the middle rounds of the draft. They weren't high caliber draft capital picks. The cornerbacks, I like Christian Gonzalez and I like Devin Weatherspoon. I think that's the only two guys that I think make sense at number eight, okay? Gonzalez probably considered the best, corner in the draft 1A 1B along with Devin Witherspoon I love if I'm picking personally I love Devin Witherspoon and while Devin Witherspoon doesn't necessarily have the size that's ideal that you're looking for there's no doubt about it that the the ball skills the physicality I mean he came from a really good Illinois defense I I like Devin Witherspoon even more than Gonzalez but I I understand the idea what would I love cornerback at eight no probably not as much but I understand the pick at this point, okay? I understand if you're getting a young corner and after you cut Casey Hayward and you're adding to that room, I I would understand that pick, but I necessarily wouldn't be enamored with it. And then the final thing is offensive line. Look, I like Skaronsky. I like Paris Johnson. I like Broderick Jones. I think some of those guys could be inside players. Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, those guys could kick inside for a year or two. And then if you don't think you have right tackle figured out, you can move them out to right tackle. And then when Jake Matthews gets a little bit older, you could switch them over to left. You know, sort of like the way that I wanted to do with Penny Sewell when he came out of college was draft him at number four, put him at right tackle, and in two or three years you switch him over to left tackle. And voila, we have our offensive line fixed. But then again, and then McGarry would kick inside for a year or two to evaluate him. And then if he didn't do anything, you'd You'd let him go after his fourth year in the league, but again, anyway, that makes too much sense and things like that. So look, and and then quarterback, uh, for instance, um, only C.J. Stroud makes sense to me. If C.J. Stroud is there, I take C.J. Stroud. If he falls to eight, I'll take C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young's never going to fall to eight. I don't like Levis. I don't like Richardson. I've met Will Levis in person. I've stood right beside him, like like that far away from Will Levis. He looks like Bo Callahan from the movie Draft Day, and and again, the the old adages plays like Tarzan, or sorry, uh, looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. That's what Will Levis is to me. Anthony Richardson, too much risk. Too much risk as, as far as boom or bust. I just don't see it necessarily with Anthony Richardson. So those are the guys that I like and don't like. And let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Listen, you're looking for that low sugar, low carb, low calorie snack and you want some alternatives in flavor and texture and different things like that. So whether you go with the traditional protein bars or you go with the protein infused marshmallow puffs, built bars got you covered either way. And they're always introducing brand new flavors into the mix where they have this flavor of the month if you head to built.com today. Check out their website and check out all of the great flavors, all the different types of protein bars that they have available to you. But now, besides going to Built.com and sitting around waiting, you can head over to Walmart in the pharmacy section and pick up your box of Built bars right away. Or another option is heading over to Sam's Club and picking up a box of Built bars right away without the wait. So whether you go the brick-and-mortar route where you got to go get your Built Bars today, and I got to have them today, grab those 130-calorie, 4 grams of sugar, low-carb, 17 grams of protein snacks, whether you need to go to the brick-and-mortar route to go grab them right away, or if you want to go to Built.com and order your protein bars, either way works, but certainly you have now you have more options than ever to get your hands on Built Bars. And again, great low cal- low-carb, low-calorie snacks but high in protein. So we talked about Jalen Carter and one of the guys who people are talking about is um, Vic Beasley and Thomas Dimitrov was on our radio station yesterday. And, you know, he was making some news and stuff like that where he talked about the idea of, and this is from Thomas Dimitrov. um, He said the Falcons knew that Vic Beasley wasn't as passionate about the game of football as most, but the team erroneously thought they could bring his passion to the forefront. Um, Now look, obviously Vic Beasley, you know, for a lot of people was one of those first round busts that the Falcons have famously had and this, that, and the other. And, oh, you know, by the time his career ended, you know, he fell off a cliff, played in Tennessee, didn't have any love for the game. I mean, we know the whole story, right? But can I tell you though that that was still the right draft pick to make in 2015? You know, hindsight is always 2020 when you look back and you look through picks and say, well, we could have had this guy versus this guy and this, that, and the other. Okay. Here's where we were at in 2015. We were a league worst 19 sacks in 2015. Does that sound familiar? Does that, does, that, does that ring a bell to anybody? We were a league worst <clears throat> 19 sacks in 2015. We draft Vic Beasley in, in 15, and we go to the Super Bowl in 16, where in 2016, we were tied with the Patriots with 34 sacks for 18th. The two Super Bowl teams finish in the top 18 with 34 sacks. In t- sorry, 2017, our last playoff year, we were 14th in the NFL with 39 sacks. Does that ring any bells? 39, 38, okay? Top 20. Does that ring any bells or anything like that? Since that point, okay? And these are not coincidental numbers, okay, that I'm going to give you. So, 26, so last in the NFL, 2015, okay? no playoff that year. 2016, 34 sacks, 18th playoff, Super Bowl. 2017, 39 sacks, playoffs, second round of the playoffs, okay? Then we go to 22nd in 2018, 29th in 2019, 24th in 2020, 32nd in 2021, and 31st in 2022. So, Any time over the last eight years that we have not finished in the top 20 in sacks, what do all of those things have in common? Let's see. Last, 22nd, 29th, 24th, 32nd, 31st. What do those years all have in common? Okay. Oh, we weren't in the playoffs? Oh, okay. Oh, wait here, though. We finished 14th and 18th two years. Oh, playoffs, second round, one-year playoffs, Super Bowl. Huh. You think those things don't go together? You think that those things are just mere coincidence, just just figures out of the sky? What do I preach all the time about this? That if you can't sack the quarterback in today's NFL, your defense isn't anything. It doesn't matter what your defense, no matter what you are against the run, what you are against the pass, what you do, this, that, and the other. If you can't put the quarterback on the ground, <clears throat> this is the Falcons mantra that was the right pick you know Vic Beasley was the second most important reason that we were in the Super Bowl Matt and the offensive production that we got was number one and when your quarterback is the MVP of the league started let me let me give you an exercise start in 1978 or sorry 1979 with Terry Bradshaw and look at where quarterbacks who are the MVP of the league, What's the last game of the season that they play in? Can I tell you, the vast majority of them is Super Bowl or conference championship game when a quarterback's the MVP. So that's the first most important reason. The second most important reason is we could sack the quarterback. And we had a guy that led the league in sacking the quarterback. And when we had that, no matter what you think about Vic Beasley and his production or this or that or one-trick pony or he gra- he gathered sacks and bunches and wh- whatever this, this false narrative is, this fake news narrative is, when we had a guy that could come off the edge, we were a playoff defense. When we didn't, we, we were not. 2015, before Vic Beasley even got here, last in the league, we weren't a Super Bowl, we weren't a playoff team. <clears throat> the two years we were in the playoffs, They were 14th and 18th in the NFL in sacks. From that time, we have not finished in the top 20 in sacks the year before Vic Beasley and since Vic Beasley was drafted in 2015 and then played in 2016. These are not coincidental numbers, folks. These are not numbers that are just mythical, made up, and all this good kind of stuff. These are numbers that matter in the NFL. So that's why I'm so hardcore about finding our edge player at number eight. That's why I'm hardcore about the idea of the last 14 Super Bowl participants, 43 and a half sacks average. That's why 70% of the active sack leaders in the NFL for career stats, active sack leaders, are first round picks. That's why since 2016, 70% of the playoff teams in the NFL have averaged 38 or more sacks. These are not random numbers, folks. Uh, and at some point, you're going to either buy in or you're going to be left behind in the train. And by the way, one year does not prove the rule. Not one saying one year that, well, they did it differently or this, that, and the other proves the rule. When, when, when I have data for decades or, you know, almost a decade's worth of numbers, it bears out. So Vic Beasley was the right guy. He was the right pick, even even if he couldn't play football and he didn't love football and all this good kind of stuff. What he did, would you take away that that year of 2016? Would you not want that year in 2016? And by the way, it wasn't a fate accompli that we would have been in the playoffs or sorry, in not in the Super Bowl and things like that. You never know once you get to the playoffs if you're going to be a Super Bowl team. But the fact was is that, and by the way, we lost some. We lost some crazy games in the year of 2016. Remember, we were really good down the stretch, but there were some losses mixed in there. It wasn't like we were 15 and 1 that year. It wasn't like we were 16 and 0 that year, but there were some funky losses mixed in there. So, Vic Beasley was the right pick. I know Falcon fans don't want to hear that, but he was the second most important reason that we were in the Super Bowl in 2016. All right, once you make hitting Hard with John Chuck your first listener every day, make sure you go in and leave us a comment and let us know that you are an everyday listener. So whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're downloading us and listening to us on a podcast platform, make sure that you go in and acknowledge the fact that you are an everyday listener. We call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our community and listening in every single day to the show. So I came across this article that, was looking at second-round picks for the Atlanta Falcons over the last 20 years. And, you know, we when I tell you that it's been a, a house of horrors and adventures and things like that in the second round, it has been that way for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, when you draft in the second round, obviously, that should be a high-impact guy that contributes a lot to your franchise, right? That should be a guy that's a second contract player that certainly gives you major contribution. You know, second round picks are not looked all that dramatically different than what first round picks are. And if you're missing on second round picks, that's also another indicator about why your franchise is where it's at. Here's the last 20 picks in the second round for the Atlanta Falcons. So Troy Anderson and Arnold Ibikati from last year, Richie Grant and Marlon Davidson from our sorry Richie Grant last year or in I should say in 2021, Marlon Davidson in 2020, Isaiah Oliver in 2018, um, Dion Jones in 2016, Jalen Collins in 2015, Rashid Hagman in 2014, Robert Alford in 2013. Peter Kahn's in 2012, uh, William Moore in 2009, Curtis Lofton in 2008, Chris Houston in 2007, Justin Blaylock in 2007 as well, Jimmy Williams in 2006, Jonathan Babineau in 2005, and Brian Scott in 2003. That's a real mixed bag of who's who. You know, certainly Debo and Justin Blaylock and some of those picks worked out for the Falcons. Was Robert Alford a good player for the Falcons? Eh, He did some good things for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, obviously, the Super Bowl was a monster game for Robert Alford. But again, that was very hit or miss. When you look at the cornerback position for the Falcons, though, at at, at second round picks, who I mean, Alford was okay, but you know, Jalen Collins and people like that, like, you know, um, yeah, okay. You know, it looks like our safeties have been a little bit better, you know, as far as William Moore was a pretty good player, Grant's been a pretty good player, but you know, Marlon Davidson was a complete swing and miss, you know, Rashid Hagman was a complete swing and miss. And that's one of the picks that helped get Mike Smith fired. The Rashid Hagman pick where Arthur blank and Thomas and Mitchell sat up in front of everybody and said, well, we wanted a more traditional edge player, versus one of these hybrid kind of guys, right? And that was the word that they used, these hybrid guys in Hagman. So, again, second-round picks for the Falcons have been a real house of adventures that that have been there over the years. And, look, this is not just a one-year sample or things like that. Now, look, I've said before that Arnold Ebicady is the guy that has to step up the most for the Falcons to be successful. That's the guy. I, even over Desmond Ritter, because I think Desmond Ritter is a really good quarterback, and I think he'll show his his wares of when when he gets a chance to start every week, when he gets a chance to start every week and get in the flow of a game and get in the flow of a season and become the regular guy. I, I don't I don't really have fear about what Desmond Ritter is going to be, but I got to see it. I I I absolutely have to see it from Arnold Ebikade. Okay. Production, eh, wasn't very much last year. Obviously, he only got the one start, and that was disappointing because as the season wore along, I thought he should have gotten more starts and more been a part of the defensive rotation, but again, that's the way, you know, Arthur Smith does this. He doesn't play his rookies as much, um, unless they're, like, top-tier picks and, like, they're pick eight and whatever like that. His second and third-round picks don't always play as much, but Okay, I I can live with the fact that Arnold Ebicady didn't, you know, only had the one start, but he's got to step it up this year. He's got to become that 8-9 to sack guy. Maybe he's not going to be a 15-sack guy or anything like that, but I've got to, if I'm going to get to 38-40 sacks, I've got to have him be an 8-9 to sack guy. Because if you're counting on everybody else as far as rotational pieces – Caden Ellis to get you eight or nine sacks. Well, he had seven last year. Yeah, he had th- he had one sack in three years before that, though. he Right now, I'll tell you, Caden Ellis is the Caleb McGarry of our defense because I don't know if I'm going to get the same production last year or I'm going to get the guy that was playing in the first three years of his career. So Arnold Ebicady is a guy that absolutely needs to step up. Troy Anderson for the Falcons is another one, you know. He's a freakish athlete. Obviously he played in college, both offense and defense and did all kinds of great things. And he come from a small school, right? And all this good stuff, right? Okay. Well, now you're at the NFL level. Now you need to play football. And obviously he showed some signs of some things that he could do last year. He also showed that he could get exposed last year at times he was exposed whether in coverage or running around him, or some different things that then happened over the course of the season. But obviously He's got to be a guy that steps up. And that number 44 pick that we have this year is going to be huge. Like that is a potential starter at 44. Now, in my mock draft, I drafted Cam Smith. So I didn't go corner in round one, but I think Cam Smith is a guy who could be a starter in the NFL. And I wouldn't mind if they draft Cam Smith in the second round that they would start him. But again, that second round pick has got to be a high-impact player, and especially when you're drafting in the top half of the second round. That guy should be looked at as a starter. But unfortunately for the Falcons, it's been sometimes a house of nightmares when you look at second-round picks. Some players they have got right. A lot of players, they did not. So the second round, for me, is going to be a big key with what direction the Falcons go once we figure out eight, I think we'll have a better blueprint of what the Falcons are going to do at 44, but that has got to be a, if the pick number eight has to be a grand slam, then pick number 44 needs to be a three-run homer. All right, but thank you so much for making hitting Heart with John Chuck your first listen. Make sure when you go in and listen to the podcast that you leave us a comment and let us know that you are an everyday listener. We call them our everydayers. We thank you so much for being a part of our community and listening in five days a week. So we really appreciate all the love and keep listening and keep commenting about what we're talking about. Also, you can follow us for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to all of your podcasts. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Heart as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. This has been Hitting Heart with John Chukri, Locked On Sports Atlanta.